It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. That was a day yesterday, unlike no other. You know, with all the news coming in, and there's plenty of it, I'm going to get to it, God really revealed himself as world leaders sat in that chapel, Westminster Chapel, yesterday and listened to some incredible, not only music, but words. And I'm going to make that the news. That's our headline today, because I want you to get a glimpse. If you didn't watch it, if you didn't look on YouTube, because there were two services, but the one at Westminster, that's the one I would recommend. They were both wonderful. I had the privilege of watching both of them in preparation for you today, and I I was so moved. Remember we talked about Queen Elizabeth's faith and how strong it was, and I read to you several things that she had said through the years. I played clips of her as a young girl talking about how she was dedicated first to God and then to her people. And so um, she had a hand in this. I had a friend, uh, we had visitors over the weekend, and uh, my friend was telling me about the death of her mother recently and how... um, her mother and my friend planned the funeral and with in mind unsaved or wavering, wandering family members that were going to be in that congregation, uh, chose, choosing the music, choosing you know everything, the speakers, with in mind their, their family members who were lost. And Queen Elizabeth did the same thing. This is about, you know, she, of course, is a huge uh, monarch with her, her outreach, but she also has a family, and they were all in that chamber listening, whether it was Harry and his wife Meghan or um, Will and Kate or whether it was her son Charles, uh, the king now, who is, you know, all, always has lived a very uh, difficult life, a very bad life, actually. Uh, Playboy, you know, has finally got a job now at 70-whatever he is, 73 or 4. And, you know, he cried during the singing of God Save the King. That's the first time in 70 years that they have sung God Save the King. It's been God Save the Queen. Even that was very, very moving. But I want to just kind of paint a picture because uh, when it comes to the music, there it was just beautiful. It was honestly stunning. It was like a concert. And, of course, 
With the British English, sometimes it's a little hard to understand, but one of the songs that they sang was Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? These are things that were favorites of the queen. She also, uh, there was a song based on, and they sang it. The congregation sang it. They had to say these words. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Of course, that's Psalm 139. Those are the kinds of things that the heads of state from all over the globe heard. Also, the former prime ministers, Boris Johnson with his uh, girlfriend, they're not married. All the former prime ministers were there, uh, plus the family members of the king and queen. And of course, the whole world was watching. And as they watched, as they watched, they heard the Archbishop of Canterbury, whose name is Justin Welby. And let me digress just for a second. I did not realize until I was reading, you know, more things about the Queen this last couple of weeks. She was the head of the Church of England, and uh, because that's what the sovereign is. And I can't go back in the history of the Church of England, but let me just say it's not great. I mean, but they do have the common book of prayer like the um, the Anglicans do here in this country. And from my Anglican friends, I hear that it is solid as a rock in terms of teaching. It's just that uh, people don't really hear it. Uh, they don't really understand it. And so um, she, as the church, leader of the Church of England, was responsible for putting people in place. And I noticed through the years that the Archbishop of Canterbury, who actually is the, the head of the, actually runs the Church of England, has been a strong Christian for years. I'd always marveled at that, knowing how post-Christian England is. Now I get it. Okay, so Justin Welby stands up in Westminster Chapel and to the heads of state from all over the world, to the family members who are broken and living lives, you know, out of coloring outside of the lines big time, and to the prime ministers like Boris Johnson, all of them with their own personal troubles heard what Justin Welby said. And I want you to hear it, okay? It's uh, five minutes and 43 seconds long, and I want you to listen. This is the Archbishop of Canterbury in Westminster Chapel preaching at the funeral of Queen Elizabeth. Here it is, Justin Welby. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with the balm of your healing love. Amen. The pattern for many leaders is to be exalted in life and forgotten after death. The pattern for all who serve God, famous or obscure, respected or ignored, is that death is the door to glory. Her late majesty famously declared on a 21st birthday broadcast that her whole life would be dedicated to serving the nation and commonwealth. Rarely has such a promise been so well kept. Few leaders receive the outpouring of love that we have seen. Jesus 
who in our reading does not tell his disciples how to follow, but who to follow, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Her late majesty's example was not set through her position or her ambition, but through whom she followed. I know His Majesty shares the same faith and hope in Jesus Christ as his mother, the same sense of service and duty. In 1953, the Queen began her coronation with silent prayer, just there, at the high altar. Her allegiance to God was given before any person gave allegiance to her. Her service to so many people in this nation, the Commonwealth and the world, had its foundation in her following Christ, God himself, who said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. People of loving service are rare in any walk of life. Leaders of loving service are still rarer. But in all cases, those who serve will be loved and remembered when those who cling to power and privileges are long forgotten. The grief of this day, felt not only by the late Queen's family, but all round the nation, the Commonwealth and the world, arises from her abundant life and loving service, now gone from us. She was joyful, present to so many, touching a multitude of lives. And we pray today especially for all her family, grieving as every family at a funeral, including so many families around the world who have themselves lost someone recently. But in this family's case, doing so in the brightest spotlight. May God heal their sorrow May the gap left in their lives be marked with memories of joy and life. Her late majesty's broadcast during COVID lockdown ended with, we will meet again. Words of hope from a song of Vera Lynn. Christian hope means certain expectation of something not yet seen. Christ rose from the dead and offers life to all, abundant life now and life with God in eternity. As the Christmas carol says, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. We will all face the merciful judgment of God.
we can all share the Queen's hope, which in life and death inspired her servant leadership. Service in life, hope in death. All who follow the Queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God can with her say, we will meet again. All right. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, I'm sure appointed by the king. Uh, and when they went to put her, to install her, what, her casket, the, the trappings of the casket in the floor of the uh, chapel at the later service, uh, the 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 man that was installed there too also just so uh, solid biblically. And think about, you know, they played The Lord is My Shepherd. That's one of the Queen's favorites. It's a kind of a British rendition. The Lord's my shepherd. I'm sure you've heard that. Um, She loved, they was played at her wedding. They played that. They played Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Again, a favorite of the Queen's. And then at the end, uh, they had two minutes of silence. Two minutes of silence which I thought was powerful because then you are forced to reflect on what you've heard. Two minutes of silence, followed by uh, the, the bagpiper. I guess it's um, it was just absolutely beautiful. The bagpipes played and then walked away, and you heard it fading in the, pa- you know, in the distance as it was being played. It was so incredibly moving. But, of course, it wasn't just about the queen's life. She, she chose... To follow Jesus from an early stage, we've made that clear. Uh, but it was a, a really a clarion call to the world. With all those world leaders there, it was a time that God showed up. Uh, he showed up. He may not have shown up in the way that you celebrate in church or you talk in church. Do not limit God to your particular cultural experience of Him. He works the same way. It's the same word. It's the same truth in a different venue, in a different way. And yesterday, he showed up with his power and might in that cathedral. And the word of God was preached to people that would never come to your church. It was an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to, I think that's very big news. That's why I started with that today. We'll be right back with some other, you know, more mundane news. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, I'm Jan Harper. If you're a pastor's wife, come be encouraged and renewed as you share your challenges and stresses unique to pastors and their wives. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. The retreat is three days and two nights of relaxation and encouragement. Our host will be Pastor Bert Harper, Director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries, and co-host of Exploring the Word on AFR, and his wife, Jan. And our special speakers will be Will and Miki Addison of Airing the Addisons on AFR. Lodging, meals, and materials are all included in your registration. But hurry, space is limited. Register today by calling 662-844-5036, extension 297 or at repairingthefoundations.net. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life 
and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Adrienne Todman, Deputy Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. She is the Chief Operating Officer for HUD. Hebrews 3.4 reminds us that the true blessings of home come from God. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Adrienne Todman as she works to provide enhanced housing opportunities for Americans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. There's been a big debate about pronouns in, of all places, Sweetwater County, Wyoming. During a recent school board meeting, the district's attorney said misgendering a student amounts to sexual harassment, a crime. Now, misgendering goes something like this. Let's say Bubba Earl identifies as Betty Sue. Well, if you address Bubba Earl with male pronouns, you're guilty of misgendering. The Sweetwater County District Attorney says at this point, they do not consider misgendering someone to be a crime. The school district's attorney said schools may also choose to hide a student's transgender behavior from parents if the school believes the child's safety may be at risk. In other words, the teachers know best, not mommy and daddy. Again, it's a bit shocking to hear this sort of thing happening in Wyoming. By and large, I'd say the good people there know the difference between a bull and a heifer and a cowboy and a cowgirl. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You know what? It's uh, Sandy Rios back with you. It's really hard for me to leave that uh, moment uh, in that chapel, Westminster, and what Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, just said. It's really hard for me to leave that moment and go back to the world. You know how that when you're like in prayer or you're you're, you're communing with the Spirit, and then you you know like a dash of. A splash of cold water, you have to get back to to the reality of the life that we are living here. Uh, so I have to get back to that. But I um, there's a lot of news, and I want to do my best to give you some really good cross-sections of it uh, as, uh, as much as I can. Tomorrow I will be uh, at uh, Radio Row uh, on the top of uh, Fox News Channel's building. Well, actually, it's not just Fox's. It's all the major uh, networks. The cable networks uh, are in the same building across from the Capitol. So we'll be up there. On the balcony, like I was last year, they have an outdoor uh, radio role for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and we'll be talking all about immigration. So we'll talk about Martha, Martha's Vineyard and all the things that you're hearing. Uh, so I'm not going to be talking about that this morning. There'll be plenty of that for the next uh, two days. So, um, But back to uh, some of these other things. President Trump has now returned to Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he basically uh, said on his Truth Social, you know, it, it'll never be the same. He said, you know, I guess they don't think there's a Fourth Amendment anymore, and to them there isn't. In any event, after what they've done, the place will never 
be the same. He said it was ransacked. He said the, uh, the FBI agents didn't even take off their shoes in his bedroom. Um, and anyway, so you'd feel violated. I was robbed. We were robbed in Berlin, Germany years ago, my first husband and I. And I'll never forget how violated I felt that they had been, you know, broken into our apartment and gone through our things. It was, it's a creepy feeling. So well, that's what President Trump is experiencing, plus the grief of having, not having deserved that, you know, by uh, an upstanding law enforcement agent used to be, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, you know, going into his home and raiding it. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. And by the way, I should just say that that special master uh, is, you know, has appointed, well, they, the judge has appointed a special master, is just saying, you know, um, look, uh, we're, we're, there's something wrong here, and we're going to look into this. So the uh, Justice Department is freaking out a little bit, and they're trying to uh, sidestep the special master. All kinds of things are happening. That, but, but that's a good thing because there's resistance. And in the news this morning, I see resistance by good people on all kinds of places in all different levels. And I say that to you to say, don't give up, don't give up. You pray, especially for these guys who are serving us in D.C. I'll be talking to a lot of them tomorrow and the next day. Don't give up. Don't let them down by vacating the field. Don't leave the field. Don't leave the field. You stand there and fight. Uh, just because it isn't easy doesn't mean it isn't, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, it must be because I have opposition God doesn't intend for it. That, that, that were, if that were true in every case, that would mean we wouldn't have a country. I mean, some people would never be saved because it was difficult reaching out to them. So don't take the easy path. Stay on the field. All right, so some people are staying on the field, and I want to give you an example of that. We have a new whistleblower from the FBI. We have like, we've had like 20. Now we have another one, and he is saying that the FBI is departing from their established practice. Let me just see if I can tell you what this is rather than reading. Uh, basically, they are trying to create the impression that there are all kinds of uh, you know domestic terrorists. And so in order to do that, they have launched this investigation of all these people that were there, people like you and me. Well, I wasn't there, but was going to be there. Uh, on January the 6th, uh, this massive uh, search to find criminality among people who just were there, didn't even go to the Capitol, all kinds of things, finding criminality of those who went in and just walked around, criminality for those who saw police officers beating Roseanne Boylan and tried to defend her and, and charging them with abusing the police. Something was so rotten in Denmark, and we're learning more about that rottenness. So the FBI has launched this massive investigation, but they think, well, perhaps this is my word, it, that doesn't look so good. So what we're going to do is change the way we classify things. We're going to See, the FBI has the federal, the headquarters, and then they have a Washington field office, and they have uh, f uh, field offices all over the country, Los Angeles, Chicago, you know, and satellite offices, all of them. So they're looking to see where these people that were there on J6 are from, and they're pretending as though the field offices, like in Dallas or, I don't know, Little Rock, uh, are the ones leading this, this uh, investigation, when in fact it's all being handled out of the Washington field office. It's a bait and swish. It's a, you know, they're trying to deceive because they're trying to lay, set the narrative that there are all kinds of white extremist nationalists who are stirring trouble all over the country. So this whistleblower has come out and laid that out 
very clearly. He says the manipulative case file practice creates false and misleading crime statistics. Instead of hundreds of investigations stemming from a single black swan incident at the Capitol, FBI and DOJ officials point to a significant increase in domestic violent extremism and terrorism around the United States. In other words, the FBI's case categorization (laughs) creates the illusion that threats from domestic violent extremists are present in jurisdictions across the nation when in reality they all stem from the same related investigation concerning the actions at the Capitol. Um, In addition, he said that they have stopped investigating things that the FBI always investigates, like child sexual abuse. They've been instructed that that doesn't matter anymore. Their priority should be uh, finding domestic violent extremists. And so a lot of the agents, as I understand it, are really getting upset because they're being forced uh, to do things that they know are not right. And so they're speaking up, and God bless them. In fact, this whistleblower that um, has just come out, I should play this clip from Jim Jordan because Jim was on uh, with uh, Tucker, I think, last night uh, talking about this. Let's listen to what Congressman Jim Jordan had to say. Clip 11. Well, we think he's we think he's being straightforward. We think he's as honest. We think he's a brave guy for coming forward. And I think the way I view it in my mind is, Tucker, they're juicing the numbers and they're cooking the books. And they are so focused on this, they're willing to pull agents from child trafficking cases to foster this narrative that you talked about, that Joe Biden in front of Independence Hall with the red background clenched fist talking about half the country being extremists. So remember, we've had previous whistleblowers who came to us and said that they were being pressured to label cases as domestic violent extremism. This whistleblower came forward and talked to us about how they're cooking the books, making the numbers seem that there are cases all over the country, when in fact they're all related to January 6th. And now what's happened today, we learned that this newest whistleblower is, has been suspended from his job. So there's retaliation going against this guy for coming forward and telling us what's going on. So the administration is doing this because there's really no one to push back. I mean, corporate America is completely on their side, the entertainment business, the media, and of course, the entire Congress. If Repub- Democrats think they're going to win both houses, keep both houses, they just announced today we're going to keep both houses. Yeah. I if don't that think were are. to happen, well, I hope it doesn't, of course. But if it were to happen, yeah, it feels like they would double down and start putting a lot of people in jail. No, you, and you, you, that's, what, that's why this election in 50 days, Tucker, is so darn important. The way you send the message is put Republicans in, in charge, and then what we have to do is get tough. we got to be committed to getting the truth to the American people. we got to be committed to any and every, every remedy we can come up. Nothing should be off the table when it comes to reining in a political justice department, which everyone knows is now the case. I mean, think about the last six weeks. Joe Biden raided the home of a former president, took the phone of a sitting member of Congress, the inspector general at the Justice Department assisted in imaging the phone. He's supposed to be the independent oversight of the Justice Department. And oh, by the way, he also signed legislation, which is going to unleash 87,000 IRS agents to come harass we the taxpayer. That happened in six weeks, for goodness sake. So yeah, this election is critical when it comes to America's freedoms, liberties, and the Bill of Rights. All right. And in the letter that Jordan wrote, uh, one more time to Ray, how many times do they have to write him? They put, well, we have consistently heard whistleblowers describe a rotted a rotted culture within the FBI's senior leadership in Washington. Rotted culture from the whistleblowers described as rotted within the FBI's senior leadership. Well, duh, we know this, but they're speaking up about it, and God bless them. And by the way, that whistleblower has been suspended. 
Uh, he's been suspended. So he's paying a big price. Don't you dare don't you dare leave the field of battle yet. And I want to mention this also. The Justice Department has just launched a nationwide initiative to combat unlawful acts of hate. Listen to this. Through the United Against Hate Initiative, all 94 U.S. attorneys' offices will host outreach and community engagement programs to address and prevent unlawful acts of hate over the next year. Sixteen districts will roll out all programs this fall. Now, let me just say, I could read this whole thing. This is a statement from the Justice Department. Unlawful acts of hate? Are there lawful acts of hate, like against uh, a Trump supporter? a president, a pro-lifer? There must be, because they're not prosecuting any of those. So those are lawful acts of hate, but they're going after the unlawful acts of hate. I wonder what those unlawful acts of hate might be. You can predict this is not a speculation. You know exactly what they're trying to do. This is coming out of this civil rights division, which has Jay Christian Adams, my good friend, who hosts for me so often as a whistleblower from the DOJ himself, described when Barack Obama took over. Well, this I may not have been on this at this microphone. I was at a different microphone when this happened. When Barack Obama took over, how he gutted the Justice Department and placed hundreds of radical leftists uh, who became, you know, then career operatives in the DOJ, and many of them landed in the Civil Rights Division. That's where Christian was working at the time. This is an off-the-record, uh, well, I'm not going to identify the person, but someone inside a friend of mine who says, uh, note that they published this in third person to make it look like a news story instead of written by their own PR hacks. It is nothing short of pernicious propaganda aimed at suppressing speech, a nationwide taxpayer-funded program aimed at targeting unacceptable views. This is repulsive, and ordinary people are about to get the J6 treatment from every U.S. attorney's office in the land. This is the first cohort, shameful, and happening in broad daylight. And I think she's right, so I'm just telling you, this is what's coming up. This is what's at stake with this election. That's why I beg you not to leave the field. All right, so there are other things. Uh, let me just uh, quickly... Yeah, uh, well, just another thing about the FBI that I don't think I've emphasized, and I don't have time to go into it now, but Igor Dushingo, uh was the uh, Russian, Russian who was uh, supposedly the source for the Russian dossier. Uh, Igor, in his testimony, lied about the fact that, and, and now I know because he spilled beans, that, of course, the Hillary campaign was the one who paid for all of this, and they're the ones who made up the Russian dossier. But Igor Dushenko didn't say that. But it turns out now that Igor Dushenko was paid as an FBI informant. Just let that soak in. Just let that soak in. So there's more to say about that, but not right now. Uh, but now here, here's another entity, other things happening. Um, this is a TikTok lawyer. His name is, what's his name, Preston Moore. He said he was approached by what was called the Good Information Foundation uh, and offered money to tweet, because he has a, tw- a tweet. No, he's a TikTok account. I don't know what they call it. To TikTok, I guess, uh, something. Um, well, I'll let him describe it, because we have a video where he explains how the Good Information Foundation offered him $400 for this. Clip 10. I was just offered $400 to make an anti-Donald Trump propaganda post related to the January 6th investigation. That is completely not true. 
I should start out this video by saying I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, so that should give a little bit of context to where I'm coming from. I'm an attorney. I post legal news and analysis on related topics. Okay, here we go with the story. So first thing first, I get an email from somebody with the Good Info Foundation. We'll talk about them a little more in a minute. I'm going to refer to this person as Jane. Jane sent me a message letting me know she represented the Good Info Foundation and that she was willing to offer a paid collaboration to discuss some topics related to January 6th. I said, sure, why not? I'll learn some more. Jane says the Good Info Foundation will give me $400 to make a post on my page and then share it to Instagram. So you see that blue link? All right, here, we're going to follow it. These are the specific requirements in order to obtain that $400 of how I should refer to the January 6th Capitol raid. I must attribute the matter to MAGA Republicans. I must make clear that this was ongoing and unresolved. And most importantly, that I must channel all of this unto the manipulation of voter agencies so that I could turn their anger around this event into defiance that would make people more likely to vote in midterms. And the thing that struck me the most was this part, where I was told to talk about the aspects of the Trump campaign's plan, and I was supposed to say that the Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happen? So I figured, you know, maybe I missed something. So I said, hey, Jane, what is the basis for the claim that the Trump campaign itself paid millions of dollars to make the January 6th siege of the Capitol happen? Jane doesn't answer the question. Hi, Preston. If you don't want to state that in the video, it's fine. You don't have to use all the bullet points provided. So I kept going. Sure, I'm just wondering if there's support for that claim. Jane doesn't answer again. Let me know if you are interested and the rate works for you. Thanks so much. I'm not interested and the rate doesn't work for me. This is the Good Info Foundation. They boast on their homepage that good information is the lifeblood of a democracy. Yes, so that's Preston Moore, an attorney who has a large TikTok following, and he just described what happened with this Good Information Foundation. Now, National Review has a great article on this with the video. By the way, Adam, let's post this on our Getter page. Popular TikTok lawyer says Soros-backed foundation offered money for anti-Trump propaganda posts. But I want to read this to you. Uh, they look... National Review studied where at the Good Information Foundation's website says it's a corporation launched in October 2021 with the backing of billionaires Reed Hoffman and George Soros and others. Um, the CEO and founder of Good Information is former Democratic strategist Tara McGowan. She previously ran Acronym, which is a progressive nonprofit. They always have these incredible. Anybody remember me doing interviews on Arabella? Arabella is a huge, 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 huge funding uh, system that creates all of these pop-up organizations with various names, but they all come from the same uh, centrifuge of money. And this is part of Arabella, I'm confident. So acronym is one of their new little pop-ups. It's not new now, but it was new when it popped up, but it's been around. McGowan previously ran acronym. Acronym, by the way, ran a $100 million digital campaign to defeat former, former President Donald Trump in the 2020 election. The Good Information Foundation has a civic news initiative, which includes building a network of local freelance editors, reporters, content producers, and community organizers committed to producing and distributing factual, value-driven news and content to the communities in which they live. The Good Information Foundation will compensate them to publish their original reporting online and offer the content free of charge, content free of charge to any global, national, state, or local news organization looking to bolster their reporting capacity and coverage with 
in those communities and geographies. Do you hear what you're saying? Hear what you're saying? Hear what you're hearing? What I'm reading, they are going to local news sources, local writers. They're going down deep into the blood of the uh, news stream of the American people. And uh, they're offering this free content. This is, we'll help you because you don't have the resources to have reporters all over the globe. We're, we'll help you because we're going to give you good information. Uh, and then they go on by saying uh, they want their mission is to increase the flow of good factual information online to counter and rebut the spread of misinformation and disinformation. We, it doesn't take a rocket science to know exactly what it is that they're doing. Uh, Preston Moore's uh, t- TikTok video uh, shows us, remember, they're, they're trying to just review this. Uh, they said, um, re- we'd like you to, if you would just, you know, TikTok this, remind your followers about the images and scenes from the January 6th insurrection. You probably saw this green screen of January 6th violence happen, but a lot, what a lot of people don't know is that the violence on January 6th was actually planned and paid for by Trump Republicans. Talk about the many aspects of their plan and the broad involvement of Trump officials, members of Congress. Um, the Trump campaign also say that the Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happening happen. It goes on and on because you heard it already, but I just want to drill down with it. That's what Preston Moore was told to do. He turned it down. He's not as a conservative. Another hero. Another person who's not willing to bend. He's not leaving the field. He's probably learned a lot through this that he didn't know already. Now, let me give you some good news. This happened, uh, this was uh, yesterday. A federal appeals court upheld a Texas law on Friday that seeks to curb censorship by social media platforms. That's not related to the TikTok story, except that they're all social media outlets. Uh, It's curbing censorship by social media platforms. That's like Twitter and Facebook. It's ones that uh, have, uh, there's like a a quantifying uh, amount of followers or members that they have to have in order for this to apply. It's a lawsuit uh, that was challenging HB 20. It's a Texas bill signed into law by Governor Greg Abbott that regulates social media platforms with more than 50 million monthly users um, and says that those platforms cannot censor or limit users' speech-based on viewpoint expression. In his opinion, federal judge Andrew Oldham of the Fifth Circuit said that platforms argued for a rather odd inversion of the a rather odd inversion of the First Amendment, and that buried somewhere in the person's enumerated right to free speech lies a corporation's unenumerated right to muzzle speech. So that is a huge victory, but of course, no doubt it will go to the Supreme Court. But you know what? I, I kind of have hope. If we can live through this next few months here, if we can survive through this next few months, that the Supreme Court has been so badly treated by the Justice Department and maybe has had finally, I can only hope, their eyes opened to what we already knew. And then they, up in the ivory tower, with the exception of just a couple of them, uh, seem clueless about what's happening, even though they may be liberal, they may not be leftist uh, who want to undermine this country. I hope that that's the case. So, This case will go up to them, no doubt about it, and so perhaps we'll bring some sanity back to social media. Another thing that's really interesting, Cheney, Liz Cheney, made a speech, and she and Zoe Lofgren have introduced legislation uh, yesterday called the Presidential Election Reform Act. Now, i got to go quickly here. So basically, it prevents the vice president from having anything to do with the Electoral College and stopping, pausing, voting, and all of that. It goes to great lengths to do that, which is so ironic because, remember... Remember that they all said, including Mike Pence himself, that he had no ability 
to intervene. He could not have stopped the process. He could not have done what they asked him to do. And yet Liz Cheney and Zoe Loughran, I guess, disagree because now they're passing legislation to stop any future vice president in case they chose differently than Vice President Pence to sort of stop and make sure that things were right, the electors were decided rightfully. Ah, they're going to change that. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. I don't know what I would do without you guys. I can't think of one program that doesn't catch my ear. Would you take a moment to tell us how American Family Radio has impacted your life? You might hear your story on the air during our upcoming share October 11th, 12th, and 13th. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The Chinese became the most common foreign buyer in the U.S. after purchasing a total of $6.1 billion in real estate last year. They also became the most common foreign buyer of real estate adjacent to U.S. military bases. What could go wrong with having our biggest enemy on the world stage owning the property surrounding our military bases? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Texas Representative Brian Babin warned yesterday that communist China and Mexican drug cartels are waging, quote, chemical warfare on the United States of America, and there should be some real accountability for both of those entities, unquote. 
Their weapon of choice is fentanyl, a medical drug China manufactures that is so powerful, even tiny quantities consumed unwittingly can be deadly. The CCP uses, among other techniques, narco-terrorist gangs that control our southern border to smuggle it here, killing some 100,000 narcotics users and other Americans yearly. Beijing has repeatedly promised to stop this practice, something it could easily do given China's Orwellian surveillance state. But it hasn't. And now there are reports fentanyl-laced candy is headed our way, potentially putting at risk our young children, too. The Chinese communists are at war with America. It's past time we make it cost them. This is Frank Afton. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's what they want to do with a motel that makes this a bit more unusual. Harry, I am the last one to cover this story. Got deep into it. We realized our homeless feeding and drug rehabilitation programs don't always match eye to eye the dreams and vision of the city planners here in Leesburg. Sam, I ain't playing with you, man. You need to give me my money right now. Let me get you into a place. Need some help, Tony. Real help. Things change. You have to run it tomorrow. No, not a chance. You're gonna have them leave today. You see it. I got 45 signatures right here, Mayor, against this proposal from my neighborhood. Let's stop this! You give it on me! Come on! Sandy Rios back with you. That was the trailer for that movie, No Vacancy. You heard me talk about it quite a bit. Uh, it was uh, the star is T.C. Stallings and Sean Young and also Dean Kane. It was a movie about a church in Florida that uh, has dedicated mo- so much of their budget and their time to caring for people in their community. It's uh, based on one of their one of the persons uh, played by uh, Cecil Johnson. Was played the part was played by T.C. Stallings whose life was changed. It's a profound movie, and it went into, uh, you know, was in theaters for several weeks, maybe months. And I want to come track back with Art Aris. He is the the producer of the movie. He's also the founder of Kingstone Comics, and he's the executive pastor of First Baptist Church Leesburg, which, uh, out of which this story comes. And he, I want to track back with him and see what's happened with that movie. Art, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Sandy, always good to be with you. All right, so tell us, seriously, what, you know, how did it do in the theaters? And then, as I understand it, now people are going to be able to get this either now or really soon. Can you can you tell us first about the theaters and then what's happening next? Well, uh, we had a very good theatrical run. Uh, we went through Fathom, 
and we were the third highest per screen average in the nation, and we opened on 608 screens. And even though only on 608 screens, we still were number 10 at the domestic box office. And so uh, actually this week, we're having our premium video on demand release through Salem Now. Uh, Salem, Watch Salem Now is a great uh, new conservative uh, network for showing video, and they did the 2,000 Mules. They just did Uncle Tom and Uncle Tom 2. And they're doing this movie as a tier one release through their platform. So people, so in other words, are, to make it simple for those of us, that you, you just Google Salem now and you would find that outlet. And it, it's is it on there now? Yes, it'll open this Friday, SalemNow.com. They just go there and it just, it'll be on the front page. Okay. All right, so I'm just curious. Uh, Art, we started the show this morning talking about it just really has occurred to me as though it was new a new thought how profoundly god is in in at work in the world right now in spite of the news you know i talk about the news every day and sometimes i just get it's very hard it's very difficult but god's mm-hmm. work is so profound everywhere i talked about the 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 um, archbishop of canterbury and that incredible sermon he gave at westminster abbey uh, an evangelical sermon uh, to world leaders and members of parliament and to the queen's family it was just Amazing, and I saw it's just so profound. But now this is a movie that you guys produced out of First Baptist Church Leesburg and out of your Kingstone Comics. I don't know if that was the Kingstone. What would be the production word for that? Uh, Kingstone produ- Studios. Yeah, Kingstone Studios. Yeah, we do comics, film, and animation. So we've done a lot of comics, and this was our first film. Actually, my second film. But then we're also working on animation. But yeah, it's under Kingstone Studios. All right, so can you tell us, Art, uh, what effects you've seen from the movie? What what have, pa- what have people said? What feedback have you gotten from this movie? Well, uh, really all over the country, Sandy. Um, somebody sent me an article from the front page of the Nashville paper, the Tennessean, and the associate mayor was opening up a uh, meeting in Nashville. They flew in about 100 people to meet in Nashville to address homelessness in Nashville, and they used this movie, they showed this movie, No Vacancy, to say, you know, we've got 3,000 homeless people we need to deal here. Um, I think it's also important. I was listening to some of your, uh, some of the program before I came on and hearing about the problem, about the fentanyl, hearing a problem about the drugs. You know, we really have to, I know we've got to deal with the situation at the border, but also this is really, it's helping churches get a handle on addressing problems in their own communities. You know, um, one of the things that I really believe, Sandy, is that churches are really one of the most effective poverty fighters that are out there. And actually, I think that's one thing in our government, the anti-religious bias, it really is not good for our society because it really works to shut out some of the most effective poverty fighters, which is a church, and this movie actually demonstrates that. Just to give an idea of proportion, how big is First Baptist Church Leesburg? Uh, we have about 1,800 to 2,000 people attending on Sunday. You know, we probably have three or 4,000 people. We've got three campuses. But what's really interesting, Sandy, is we just made a really strategic decision to not build a new church. We really made a decision to to really address the needs in our community. And really, you know, Dean Kane went on Fox and & Friends and talked to Ainsley. He said, man, this is really like a, it's a wonderful life type of movie because it's got that kind of wonderful life type of ending because, the church made a sacrificial decision, and it's like God said, okay, well, you didn't want a church. Okay, I'm going to give you three churches. And God just really poured out his blessings because we made a decision to really uh, care for the least of those in our midst, and that's what the story is all about. 
Yes, in fact, very quickly in the few minutes we have left, tell, tell people the scope of the ministries. I mean, T, uh, Cecil Johnson's story just had, intersects with the men's ministry, but what other ministries? Well, the, the local hospital one day called me and said, hey, you guys are doing such an incredible job. Would you like to have a medical component? We said, sure. And that thing has morphed into an operation that we now have 50 volunteer doctors that work with us. Um, we have eight volunteer dentists. Uh, we help out several thousand people, indigent people, every year with medical. Um, the, of course, the, the big thing about the purchase of the Samaritan Inn for taking care of homeless families, which stays, you know, stays full every night of the year, and then we have what we call miracle houses. We have a men's drug and alcohol facility, a women's drug and alcohol facility, a pregnancy care center. We're one of those uh, pregnancy and family resource centers that uh, Senator Warren wants to try to shut down. And uh, we just, you know, we have just seen God, as you said earlier, we have just seen God do amazing things in people's lives. And one thing I know, one thing I know that you're a singer, Sandy, and you've got a great voice, but, you know, it's it it funny, but like two weekends ago, I was sitting in church and when you have about 100 ex-addicts behind you singing and worshiping God and singing about freedom, it really takes church to a whole new level. And we really see God do so much in people's lives. And we really just want to, we'd already had the ABC affiliate in Orlando. We'd already come over here several times to do stories. And it really felt like that this story needed to be told in the context of a motion picture. And that's really how No Vacancy came about. So what do you think the effect on church members who are all scrubbed up and have families and come to church in nice cars and sometimes, you know, and sit in these nice clean pews, what's the effect on them of having this kind of, these kinds of people in their midst worshiping? That is a great question. We have, I, we have so much feedback from people that said, listen, I moved here from Canada or California or Illinois. I came here to, for your church because I've heard about this church and we really want to be a part of making a difference. So what we see because like a lot of churches, we have a high senior adult population. And a lot of people say, you know, I really want my last couple laps for God to count. And I really want to serve people. And so we really, uh, it just gives an opportunity for people that they want to work at the thrift store. They want to work in the benevolence ministry. They want to volunteer at the medical. And there's some very talented people that were incredible doctors. that They're not, you know, they're ready to continue to use their skills um, wow. and not play golf. So- Big effect. And I say I'm assuming spiritually, too, with the worship, because it reminds you of God's power in people's lives. It reminds you of what he did in, our, in your life. The movie is called No Vacancy. Now you can see it at SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. It goes up on Friday. And now Art Aris was the producer, and we'll be talking to Art again, because he's got a really great project coming out uh, in comics to counter the 16.9 project, 16.19. And we'll be uh, back with Art soon. Art, thanks for joining us this morning. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.